Hi, this is Matt. On today's episode, I bring you Cole Vandy Wustein. I wish I could tell you I knew Cole that well, but I don't. We met on social media. He had a listing or a description of himself that said he is the number one copywriter on the globe, and that interested me. And I wanted him to come onto the podcast when he was in Dallas, Texas, and sure enough, that's what happened today. He came on the show, and I learned a lot from him. I learned about the importance of putting structure to your ideas, to sequence your story. So that at the end, the reader has concepts that make them want to take action. And so I don't know whether Cole is the world's greatest copywriter, but I sure learned a lot from him on today's episode. You're going to learn a lot from him as well. So Cole Vandy Wustein is my guest on today's You Need More Money podcast. Enjoy. I'll see you down the road. Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero. I come to you every week from my studio in Dallas, Texas. Today, I've got Cole Vandy Wustein in the studio with me. And I would love to say that Cole and I are friends, longtime friends, but it's just not true. We just literally met 10 minutes ago. Yeah. In person 10 minutes ago, but we've known each other on social. Cole is in town for an event uh, with Ryan Stuman. Yeah. And um, when I noticed that he was coming in, I I said, well, why don't you swing by and let's do a podcast episode because Cole positions himself as potentially the world's greatest copywriter. Yeah. I saw that and I said, well, I only want to bring in the best. So if you're one of the world's greatest copywriters, let's get you on the show and let's talk about copywriting. So thanks for being here, Cole. Yeah, thank you for having me. I definitely appreciate it. Dude, it's my pleasure. So, Cole, explain to me what copywriting is. Give me a definition of it. Copywriting is more or less the words that you see that draw your attention to take action, whether that be purchase something, give your email up, uh, go to the next page, whatever it may be. It it captures the reader's attention in such a way that it makes them do something next that they weren't anticipating at the beginning. Okay, got it. Uh, You have written for some pretty heavy players. So give me a list of some of the people you do copywriting for. Sure. Uh, My most recent client, Ty Lopez, uh, handling a lot of like persuasive writing for him. I launching a new book. So helping him with that. Uh, Alex Sharfin, uh, collaborating on a good amount of content for him on his podcast, Mm -hmm. Um, potentially moving into some copywriting work with him as well. um, As we get the ball rolling, Uh, Perfect Presence is an emergent technology company. I handle all their writing, their proposals, um, their their pitches mm-hmm. for their clients, uh, emails for their sales staff, sales scripts, all that stuff. Anything that has to do with persuasive writing, I handle for them. Uh, and then next gen uh, alarm systems, they're actually based out of here in Dallas as well. Yeah, um, handling uh, their ad copy for their funnels, uh, their email sequences, and things like that. I have I have a long list of clients, but those would probably be my biggest four. And so. How are these clients finding out about you? Let's talk about Ty Lopez specifically. How did Ty Lopez find out about you? Yeah, Ty Lopez found out about me uh, through some of the channels that I write for. So I'm a contributor to a couple pub- publications. Uh, Influensive is one of them. That's my one of my favorites. Thrive Global um, as well, which Ariana Huffington uh, founded that not too long ago. Uh, the Ascent.biz, which uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's previous senior copywriter, uh, Steve Campbell writes for them. Um, and he actually founded that publication too. So we got to talking. So, but Ty found me through Influensive. Uh, the work that I put out 
uh, through there. Um, I might have caught the eye, I guess, of like Brian Evans and Clinton, uh, who had founded Influensive and they, they're on, uh, social with me as well. And they, they saw a lot of my work and they recommended me directly over to Ty's team and, uh, sealed the deal, uh, three or four days ago and, uh, working on getting some of that stuff done. So tell me, um, how, what, do you remember what article you wrote that got the attention of Influensive? Yeah, it was the, the very first article I wrote for him, uh, five reasons why I chose rock bottom to reach success again. I don't understand rock bottom. Well, you chose rock bottom. Yeah. I forced myself back into it. Into rock bottom. Yeah. What does rock bottom mean? Well, rock bottom is like that, that place where you have literally nowhere to go, but up. Okay. Uh, you put yourself in that mindset again, where you have to do something or nothing is ever going to happen again for you. And your life is completely over. Hmm. You've experienced that a couple times. I have. I have. Give me um, one of your stories. So uh, when I was 18, uh, I'll give a little bit of context as well. So when I was 16, very fortunate, had a mechanical engineering internship job I took, loved it. It was the best thing ever. That's what I was going to do with my life. Uh, 12 months later, uh, company-wide layoffs, they laid off over 40% of the labor force um, at that uh, specific uh, steel foundry. So I was laid off, didn't know what I was going to do, was like forced to like have to go to college didn't want to do it. So I took a job, loved it. It's the best thing ever. Required driving, lost my driver's license. Why'd you lose your driver's license? Speeding and just Multiple being, tickets, you mean? Multiple tickets, yeah. DWI? No, no DWI, no DUIs, nothing crazy like that. Just too many tickets, just being a you know young and dumb kid. Hmm. Uh, you got a fast car? I've had multiple cars. I used to buy and sell cars on Craigslist. So, yeah, gotcha. Uh, it's lots of fun. Um, I mean, my stance is if you're going to get a speeding ticket, you might as well do it in a sweet ride, right? Right. Okay. Absolutely. So what were you driving then that got you most speeding tickets? Uh, oh, that's not going to sound good. I was driving a Mazda Miata. Uh-huh. So that was... <laughs> so you were pushing that. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I was pushing that to the limits. All right. So you believe that this that this transparency that occurs from living in a rock bottom state has, has, cr- has created your... Uh, storytelling. It's helped you in your storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. I think every experience I've had in my life has helped me like dig for stories, dig for more, try to explain things to a deeper level and understand that when I'm telling someone else's story for them and yeah. shaping their voice that I need to dig deeper with them as well, because there's more to the story than just the surface and what people kind of let off to be. Yeah. So that's an interesting point because does that mean that that whole story needs to be told in one blog post or do you believe that it could be done in a series and, 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 uh, you know, in chapters and verses uh, or should it all be told in one sit down 700 word blog? Sure. It can be told in a book. It can be told in a movie. It could be told in a series of movies. I mean, there's no right way to tell it. It's whatever fits, whatever feels right, and however you can get the message across so people can receive it in the proper perspective, so they can learn from it and grow from it. As well. Yeah, dude, I like the way you. I like the way you just described that. That's a good idea. In other words, in other words, the story has to be told in the way the story needs to be told. Right. I like that because I actually think it's a challenge of mine, particularly in blog posts. I'm trying to create a problem, right. issue an opinion, mm-hmm. and then give the solution all within 400 words. That's a challenge. It is. And, 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 and unfortunately, um, it's, it's the nemesis of writing, which is, do you spend enough time actually scoping out 
what it is that you want to write. And we're, we just want instant gratification so bad. We think that a blog post or even a Facebook post, I got to give Stuman credit. Right. And I don't know if you've helped him with this or not, but Stuman writes on his Facebook posts. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And, and I've actually watched that recently. And I said, you know what? I want to move from these graphics with cool quotes or these simple snippets. And I actually want to start posting opinions that have multiple sides. Right. And they, the reason I haven't done more of them is because it requires thought. Yeah. To take the time to think it through, not necessarily thought of what would happen or what sort of, you know, counter, right. counter rebound is going to be, but right. what the hell are you trying to say? Right. Right. Yeah. What's the, what's the conversation you're trying to start? So help me understand how do you, what's the process you go through when you're trying to create new content right. to make sure that it is thoughtful and meaningful and impactful enough. Right. Yeah. So I, I believe this with almost everything that I do, whether it be sales or training somebody or coaching somebody, writing, whatever it may be that I'm doing, I always try and start with the end in mind. So and I got that from the seven habits of highly effective people. I, I'd start at the end. So like, what do I want this to do? What do I want people to do when they see it, when they read it? Are they going to share it with people or do I want them to relate with it on a personal level to where they're like, they really resonate with it and it moves that one person and I would be okay with it. So I always start at the end and I start kind of going back through it. I'm like, well, how do I keep them engaged until the end? What do I need to start putting in the story in the middle? What's if I say this word here, is that going to get the conversation going then, or do I need to move them farther down the post or the blog or the book or the, whatever it end up may be? And so where do I need to start positioning the right questions, the right words, the, the trigger sequences to get the, the brain moving in the direction that I needed to go. Yeah. Um, it's all about human psychology sequence. and secrets and just, just getting everything going through it. No, I mean, sequence, in other sequence. words, and, and you believe that, that, that the, regardless of whether it's a quick, post or it's, it's, you know, 75,000 words, there has to, the sequence is what matters most. Yeah, absolutely. So in, in book writing, you know, I got my second one coming out in March. The biggest challenge I had was the outline. Right. Right. What, and by the way, that's how the book starts. Mm -hmm. They all start that way. Right. What is your outline? Well, I didn't even know what an outline was. I mean, shit, I went to cooking school, man. Right. I literally Googled what is a book outline? And and I got to deal with a big publisher and they paid me a lot of money to write the book. Right. I did not know what they were talking about. Right. And it was the biggest challenge. I like to call it unpacking the expertise. Yeah. And, and a lot of experts have a really hard time unpacking their expertise. Yeah. And, and that's really what you do. You can take someone who's an expert and you can help them unpack it. Right. Right. Yeah. Who's, who are some of the best experts that you know that really do a good job of unpacking their expertise? I would definitely say Alex Sharfin. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal writer. Um, very great communicator as well. Um, I've learned a great deal from him. Uh, Stuman is a great uh, example of that as well, right? Stuman, he, he, uh, that's, I, that's how I started getting into writing was him um, watching him write. He gave me the advice to start, start writing, writing every day yeah. and, um, those types of things. And they do a really great job at unloading the knowledge in a way that people can receive it and then do something with it. They, they also make it look as though it was off the cuff. 
yeah. right? They, they make it seem as though I was in my car 10 minutes before my next appointment and I decided to write this. Right. But is that true or is it's it really? Cases. Yeah, I, I believe it is. Um, and I say that because they've, Alex and Ryan, for sure. And I obviously I haven't met every entrepreneur in the world, but out of those two, I know for a fact that those guys have the intellect to be able to take their thoughts in their brain, their knowledge and think from the other person's perspective of how they'll receive that knowledge in their mind and they know how to sequence it automatically. So gotcha. a lot of times, yeah, those guys are doing that. And I, I believe other people do that as well. And oftentimes I do that too. Um, so it just, it really depends on the person. Some people really need to sit down and they need to think about how they go ahead and they put out that sequence and how it's going to work. And then others just have a natural rhythm and a natural flow. Stay with me on that. Do you believe that it is innate or is it trained? The ability to sequence your thoughts. I think it's innate after it's been trained. So like, I, I believe that some people do have the natural ability to just make it happen, but it takes repetition of doing it over and over and over to where you get it down. Mm -hmm. Some people can be trained to do it as well. What are the biggest mistakes that you are seeing with copywriting, blogging, social media posting? What are the what are the top three mistakes that you see people making right now? Number one is trying too hard. Trying too hard. Help me with that. Um, so people are trying too hard to set a very hard uh, opinion on something or driving too hard at the sale or trying to get somebody to do something just too aggressively. Are, are you saying in a Vaynerchuk mindset, this jab, 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 right hook, they're going for the right hook too quick? I, I think they're going for too large of a right hook where they're throwing their entire body out, <laughs> of, out of the fight um, and leaving themselves exposed. I, it's, it's, I don't, some of them have the great jabs and then the right hook is just way too massive, too obvious, too out there where people understand your agenda and they're not perceiving it in the right fashion. So cold, but I want to continue with that, but just stay with me for a sec, because what happens if that right hook isn't that big? And I'll give you a perfect example sure. in myself. Okay. We, the amount of content that we record in here and that we have put out mm -hmm. over the last couple of years is a lot, right. but it's confusing, right? Because my mindset is throw the noodle on the ceiling and see if it sticks. That's how we end up with a thousand videos on YouTube. And, right. you know, some have 50 views, right? right? Yeah. Um, but now that we're starting to figure this out and sequence it and do a better job, here's the problem. Dude, I got no right hook. My only right hook is this You Need More Money book that comes out as a $26 sale and I make $2.50. Right. The right hook isn't big enough. And I think that disappoints me when I see other people do that, right? I sure. like them. I follow them. Mm -hmm. I'm interested, right. but then there's nothing else for me to grab. C Cardone is the reverse of that, right? right? Not only does he, I mean, he's a master at pushing out the content, right. but he has a ridiculous amount of products. Yeah. So how do you go about judging whether your client has a worthy right hook? It, it all comes down, in my opinion, to how their, their target, their perfect audience, their perfect customer is going to receive the information. It could be the biggest right hook in the world. It could be the, the, you know, Muhammad Ali or Floyd Mayweather for more recent examples of, of right hooks. And it's perfect and it's huge. It's massive. It's going to take down the entire game. People are going to get it. And that's 
perfect. That's great. Or it could be a very small right hook. It could be a book. It could be a free download of something. It could be free videos on YouTube. It could be whatever it needs to be as long as it's part of that sequence of their long-term plan. Because I don't believe that people, especially in, in, in our uh, industries and things of that sort where people are trying to grow and do more and be more and all that stuff. I don't believe that they're just pushing a book. I believe that they have a book and then maybe they're going to offer something bigger later. So it's like that entry level right hook where you're getting in there. And then on the big side of things where you're throwing a massive right hook, you should have already given the value of smaller right hooks. What are you saying? Like, like, uh, like the, uh, you know, the guy that's putting on the big seminar or something like that. Right. And he comes out of the blue and says, I just woke up today and feel like I'm going to put this sales seminar on in, in, uh, Houston. And everybody's like, well, who the hell are you? And why would I go? Right. He right hooked too early. In my opinion. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes those guys do pull that off. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, I mean, it happens. I'm not saying that that's wrong or bad or anything like that. I just, in my opinion, I believe building up the, the expertise, the knowledge, the building up your target audience, giving them what they want beforehand makes it a lot easier to land the right hooks. It's a lot less work in a sense, even though you're putting in a bunch of work on smaller stuff, I think it it's a more impactful right hook when you put in the value and the time and the energy yeah. and all those jabs beforehand. We got to spend a little bit of time on understanding the time and the value because it's the biggest problem. We right. we all want – we want to be Cardone and Vaynerchuk and Frizzella and Ty Lopez. Right. And we really forget of how much legwork those guys have Absolutely. put in. Let's get back to the three mistakes. The yep. number one mistake you say people are making is they're trying too hard. Yep. They're going for the right hook too early. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. What's number two? Number two is they're trying to do it themselves. Uh, when people are looking for like copywriting, it's a lot of times it's because they've tried it themselves. It's failed. They've spent thousands of dollars on ads and they're not converting or they're spending too much on leads or whatever it may be. It's people are good at certain aspects and things, right? Not everybody's a writer. I'm not an accountant, so I'm not going to do my own books. That's not happening. So I'm not going to be my CFO. I'm going to hire that guy. Yeah. It's the same with copywriting. That's, that's, it's basically hiring a salesperson to hang out on your website and sell everybody that goes there every single time. You're not going to do it as a business owner. You're not going to sit on your website and hang out and try and sell everybody. You're going to hire somebody to do that for you. Uh, if you have a call center, you have people in there that handle that. They're professionals. That's what they do every single day. So when you try and branch out and you try and do copywriting on your own, if you're not an expert in writing and how the human mind perceives certain words and certain sequences and funneling people through the entire page, whether it be an email or whatever it ends up being, knowing precisely how to do that and execute that from the beginning yeah. helps tremendously with your ad optimization uh, your conversions right up front, your pre-revenue sales, your pre-launches for everything, building your email list, everything. It's crucial to have an expert handle that. Yeah, look, I agree with that. I believe people need to play their superpower. Right, exactly. How about number three, mistakes that people are making, in your opinion, in copywriting and, and posting? Absolutely. Um, in my opinion, they're trying they're they're trying to attract too large of an audience. Uh, so they're trying to write it to too many different people. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, for instance, like if you're, if you sell, uh, basketball equipment, you're not going to go after soccer players. You're not going to go after kids that play guitar or, um, are in choir and things of that sort, because 
those kids do that thing. You need to hyper-focus on your perfect prospect, your perfect customer, and only write to their perception so that way they can receive the information properly. When you try and do it too wide, it just doesn't work. It doesn't get that same impact. Right. So so it's really a sort of a, a you know a, a deep blue ocean mindset. It's also a Seth Godin focus on your tribe right. type of a stuff. And I and I agree with you. The the idea of jack of all trades produces a master of none. Exactly. Yep. Let's talk about what you see people doing well. And if you have any specific examples, that's great too. What are some of the things that that people are doing well? Yeah. Um, so the people are doing well is they're posting consistently. Mm-hmm. Consistency is key, even if it's not perfect, even if the grammar's not great, even if uh, you're not doing a call to action on everything. If you're just putting out content, you're telling the story, you're giving a little bit of behind the scenes and people are resonating with it. That's perfect. So give give me, what's your definition of consistent? Cole? Cons- at least once a day, mm-hmm. at least, if not more. I know Gary Vaynerchuk preaches like seven times a day on Instagram. So does Cardone. And, yeah. And Cardone as well. And I, uh, and yeah, that's great. But I'm, I'm speaking from a more realistic standpoint. Most people aren't going to post seven times a day. They're going to hire somebody to do it seven times a day, for yeah. them, but they're not personal. So in the startup phase of whatever you got going on, yeah. building your brand and awareness and everything else, at least once a day, something thoughtful, something meaningful or something that is engaging to the point where it's giving value to the audience as well. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Well, give me tip number two of people doing things well. Doing things well is engaging properly in the right groups. So help me in groups. So yeah. not, you're saying not just to your wall, right? but you're saying actually, actually determining the tribe, connecting through groups and then being active in Absolutely. posting within the groups. Absolutely. Absolutely. G- give me an example of that. Like give me an example of what you mean. Sure. Um, so like in, let's say a sales talk with sales pros, I'm not as active in that group as I should be. I know that. Um, but I see people that are super active in that group and those people They're writing consistently, they're posting consistently, and they're consistently getting new clients. They're consistently getting referrals. They're consistently becoming the expert in that group. They're the go-to person. And you can do that in any industry. You don't have to be uh, a writer. You don't have to be a mortgage professional. You don't have to be in sales. If If you sell pens and you jump in that group and someone has a question about pens or office supplies or anything like that, and you give them answers consistently and you post about how your pens are better than everybody else's pens, here's why, with no call to action or anything like that, just showing them differences and showing them examples, people are going to start tagging. When someone's like, what's the best pen? They're going to tag you. They're going to know that you're the guy. You're the person that can solve that problem. And then there's no hesitation there. It's just a deal in your inbox. Good to go. You know, I have Hank Norman coming on the podcast this afternoon and Hank's Hank's mission is show me you doing what you do. Right. Right. And so again, if you're a roofer, don't post about motivation. Exactly. Just show me you roofing the house. Exactly. That'll take care of itself. Yes. And uh, gosh, we are guilty of that, right? I mean, yeah. we have a very large finance company and we spend very little time explaining how our finance process works. Right. It's a mistake. Give me a number three pro that you see people doing. Pro that people are doing is I'm starting to see this and I think Facebook is as well because I've seen some rumors going around, but people are actually leveraging their personal pages instead of business pages. You mean what are you talking fan page? 
and yes, yeah, no, just like their personal actual. But you can only get to five thousand. I understand, but people can still follow you, and it's a little bit more. I believe a personal touch. You don't have to hope that someone's looking at your community page or your fan page or your business page or anything like that. You have, you should be leveraging it for sure. And until you max out to 5,000 friends and you're not getting any more followers, like if you hit a dead wall, you're at like 15,000 followers on Facebook on your personal actual account that you log into every single day, then start leveraging both. But for the time being, you should be trying to continue to build that following because when people search your name in Facebook, they're going to see your personal profile nine times out of 10, which is good. And they can always follow you. It's very challenging to move from your personal page to your fan page as well. A lot of the audience does not automatically flow to you that way. In fact, they really want to be in the club, the 5,000 club. Yep. And what I recently did the other night, I stayed up for hours unfriending, 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 unfriending tons and tons of people. So because I had like 500 invitations from people. Right. And I was able to delete a lot, hundreds and hundreds of the garbage friends. Right. And backfill with people who, number one, requested friendship with me. Right. And number two, had a lot of mutual uh, friends, which makes me think we are more like-minded. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then, so in other words, what you're saying is number three, people are doing it well by leveraging their personal page. And probably that means you have to purge a lot. You're Absolutely. in and out. Who yeah. likes me? Who likes? So you're really building the quality of the 5,000 because again, Seth Godin says you need a tribe of a thousand max. Right. Well, you Facebook gives you opportunity to earn 5,000. I mean, if right. I had 5,000 perfect credit truckers following my personal page, we would not need to post. We wouldn't have to do a podcast. I wouldn't have to write any books. So it's it's really an amazing tip. Absolutely. And you see that as a 2018, 2019 strategy? I see that as a right now strategy. Oh, nice. Not even to wait until 2018. It's something that when I started copywriting full-time, quit my job and just started doing it full-time, That's I didn't make a single cold call. I didn't run a single ad. I didn't run a single email campaign. I didn't do anything but put out valuable content on my personal page. People started coming to me and it was a done deal. But it's more than that, my friend, because because you did have to branch out after your personal page. Because if you didn't get to Influensive, you wouldn't have gotten to Ty Lopez. Right. Yeah. Obviously, there's there's definitely more platforms. I, and I was speaking for more of just a Facebook sure. standpoint itself. But yeah, you, leveraging uh, different publications, even if you're not a writer, you can still get with like an editor and things of that sort and give them your thoughts, put it all on paper and have a professional editor like myself or a good friend of mine, Hillary is really excellent as well. And she edits a lot for uh, Ryan and a lot of other authors too, but having them edit your story and then help you pitch influencer, Forbes, entrepreneur, uh, addicted to success, things of that sort. And, um, get leverage on those platforms because those platforms are very trusted sites. People go there for their information. So, so here's the problem, right? I mean, we put our blog on our, on, on our, uh, company and my personal website. Right. And then we typically post to, um, LinkedIn, which sucks. I get almost no likes on LinkedIn. Right. But yet, but here's the crazy thing about LinkedIn. You'll get a kick out of this. I mean, LinkedIn is like for dirty old men. Because yeah. if if somebody puts up a picture of a, a girl in a bikini in front of a big rig, that'll get, you know, 500 likes. Right. But I might put up how to hire. I, I put up an article recently that said why your salespeople hate you. Right. right. It got like four likes. 
but the girl in front of the bikini did because it's nothing but 40 and 50 and 60 year old old guys who 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 don't want to do Facebook or Instagram but they right. can sneak the, the 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 sexy shot on LinkedIn, right? Right. I think I love LinkedIn for a lot of things, but I do not think it's great to grab exposure in that regard. I have a tremendous difficulty making LinkedIn pop for me writing wise. So you, what about medium? Medium was huge. Medium was actually like, was, was, yeah, was, I don't leverage it anymore. Should people leverage medium? Yes. Okay. It's a free platform. They already have a fan base. You can tag things um, just like hashtags on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. You get like four or five tags um, for each article. Uh, It's great. And then they even, if, if you start writing more consistently, people are really enjoying your writing. You actually get paid Mm -hmm. um, to be a writer on medium now too. other like, Medium publications will reach out to you when they see that you're getting exposure and stuff and they'll ask you to write for their publications and things of that sort. So Medium is a great tool to start and to easily, in my opinion, easily build up an audience. I was able to build up an audience faster there than anywhere else. You know what really pisses me off though, man? What's that? I see all these fucking phonies. Yeah. All these guys that got nothing really behind them. No real fucking business. Man, I busted my ass for 20 years to build this business before right. I even thought about a Facebook post. Sure. And by the way, that's not a positive because I think there's opportunities for people to jump, skip rungs on the ladder, I like to call it, right? Sure. I thought I had to climb every single rung, right? Right. But what really pisses me out is like when people put out this shitty content and then they're like, um, just got picked up by Huff Post. I'm like, to say what? To tell what? Right. Dude, you're an insurance guy in fucking no man's land, right? right. You have no employees. What the fuck are you going to tell anybody about? I'm sorry right. to swear about it, but what do what message do you have? And those posts really frustrate me the most because sure. that person is puffing their chest rather than delivering value. Sure. No, yeah, I understand where you're coming from on that too, and it's – you see it every day and it, it comes from that old school terms, fake it till you make it. And people are leveraging big platforms like that to do just that. They're leveraging uh, big names and things of that sort to, to get the exposure they want to build up their revenue. But the problem is, and you'll notice this as time goes on, people like that usually don't sustain that yeah, success. Yeah, yeah. They're always doing something different. They're trying something new. They're going to try a different industry now and leverage the same platforms or something of that sort. So you see those people start to dry out and then someone will replace them, obviously. So it's like a big cycle. Uh, but those people never last. You know mm-hmm. that you've, you've been around uh, long enough to see people probably go up and then right back down because they don't really know what they're doing. They didn't put in the work. So when things get hard, everything falls apart for them. They don't know what to do to get it back on top. So what would you give me the, give me the last tip before we close. How would you suggest someone understands what they have a skill set to write about? I would say to just write whatever's in your mind at any point in time, whether it be first thing in the morning, last thing before you go to bed, at lunch, whatever you're doing, just write. Don't worry about the grammar. Don't worry about if it makes sense. Don't worry about anything. Just put words down, whether it be handwritten, whether it be typed out, it doesn't matter what it is. If you just start writing, it'll clear your thoughts up without you even trying. You don't have to go to a therapist. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Just write. And eventually, after time, because it takes time. How much time? How much time? There's no answer to that. It could be 
20 minutes. It could be six years. It, there's really no answer to that. But how do you know when you're, how do you know when your thought process is working? When it's consistent every single day, when it's the same thoughts, but it's a different perspective or it's the same thought and it's more progressed or it's um, on a bigger level or scaled or um, a spin on it or something that sort when it starts to be the same thing in your mind every single day, that's what you need to write about. You need to get that message out to people because it's something that's so powerful and so deep inside of you that it's clearly something that other people need to hear as well. So you do have to care about the content. Absolutely. So what about this idea of shock value and sort of riding trends, right? Trump posts something and somebody else follows that. What is your opinion of that methodology? For those people that do that, it works. Obviously, uh, trending stuff on like BuzzFeed and things that sort, it's working for their exposure. So that's awesome. That's great for them. It's something that I personally try not to do. Obviously, if I have a client that comes to me and says, hey, I want to write about this trending topic, if it's something that I'm neutral about or care about, I'm obviously going to take that project, but it's not something I seek out. I'm not trying to go viral with content. I'm trying to tell a great message using other people's voices because I believe leveraging, you know, like uh, collaborating with Alex Sharfin on some of his content. Like I want to help him share that message with the world because I think it's a great message. So I'm going to do everything I can to do that, but I'm not going to throw in politics to leverage it because Trump's in Dallas or things like that. Like, I don't care about that stuff. Like I'm going to put the content out because three years from now, when someone reads back on some of the stuff I've written, I want it to make sense. I want them to understand because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, the trending stuff today isn't going to be trending a year from now. It's mm-hmm. going to be trending five years from now when it, when that content could really matter to somebody. Mm. Dude, I learned a lot from you today. I mean, I appreciate it. I know this was sort of an impromptu right. uh, thing, but we believe in both taking action. I reached out to you. You jumped on it. We leveraged your time in, in Dallas and my time this morning. Dude, I learned a lot from you, and I appreciate it, man. I wish you the best of success, Cole. If there's anything I can do for you, please reach out to me and let me help you. Definitely. Let me finish on this one thing. Sure. Is it a little bit disingenuous when someone is the face of a copywriter. So for example, I had a ghostwriter on my, my new book. Sure. Um, but I, I ended up writing 75,000 words myself on that book. Wow. And the publisher cut it down to 51,000. Okay. Yeah. Um, but those 75,000 words went to a ghostwriter mm-hmm. who cleaned them up, right. organized them, sequenced mm-hmm. them, opinionized them, put flow to it, right. created a finish line that made sense. Yeah. Is there anything disingenuous for having a copywriter uh, behind the scenes? Absolutely not. Should the person say that they have a copywriter or a ghostwriter? It's up to them. Uh, you know, yeah, it's obviously from the copywriter's perspective. It's cool for me, at least. Not all copywriters are like that. Some copywriters love being in the background. They yeah. hate being the face of things. So that's a lot of why, a lot of reasons why they ghostwrite. Um, but no, it's as copywriters, we help people tell their stories. That's what we do. We don't fabricate the stories. We don't make it up, especially when it comes to books, um, eBooks, or really getting a powerful message across. Even like if you're not selling things things of that sort, we want to help you tell your message and we know how to get it out of you. So that's where we get the passion from. That's where we get the fulfillment is by helping you tell your story. So whether we get credit or not, not our problem, right? But, but does the right, should the writer in full transparency for the audience, let the audience know that there was a collaboration here, right? Yeah. In most cases I would say so, but I don't believe that there's like a necessary, like, uh, standard answer for that in some situations. Yeah. But in a lot of situations, no, there's, there's gotta be 
hundreds of thousands of books out there that the author didn't. Of write course, a single word. should the audience consider that disingenuous if the writer or the frontman has a cop a copywriter or a, a ghostwriter? If if the copywriter creates the story, does all their own research, comes up with their own knowledge, their own expertise, and then puts the book out, and then just the person, the face on the book itself. And they just put it out and say it's their knowledge. I could see that. Dude, that happens all the time in writing. I believe that. Oh, it happens all the time. Absolutely. And I, I agree with what you just said, but that's what makes writing so difficult. Right. Because so many things have already been said that to create your new ideas. See, I, I have a, a tremendous responsibility to myself to not plagiarize. Right. And w- it's hard to come up with your own ideas yes. and then only find out, well, shit, that was a Jim Rome concept from the 80s. Right. Right? Yeah. Or you just regurgitate. No, I didn't regurgitate Jim Rome. I actually found this out on my own after busting my ass. Right. But Jim Rome beat me to it, right? Yeah. So it's really challenging to find your own original stuff, especially now. Very challenging. And you can see people stealing it all the time. On my quotes, I see people steal it all the time. And what I'm actually now fun- finding, which is very interesting to me, I find it humorous. Mm-hmm. I do not take offense to it at all. But I can actually put out some content now. Mm-hmm. And, and very quickly, I can see other people repurposing it, right? Like yeah. maybe that afternoon or the next morning. That's I did something on Superpower recently and, and I saw like five posts about people talking about Superpower and right. none gave credit back, right? Right. I certainly can't take credit for a superpower conversation, but they clearly watched some of my stuff and said, right. oh, that's interesting. I'll go ahead and do, I'll just do my own thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a real challenge to never fall into that trap and to do everything you can to be that kind of genuine. That's why I like the, the new book. I think there's four concepts that I haven't heard done before. Right. And so, but it took a long time to flush those things out. I believe that. So the ability to get original ideas matters to you. I believe so. Yeah. And you see the difficulty of the, 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 the creation of those new ideas, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's hard to come up with stuff oh, that yeah. hasn't been done before. It's, it's challenging because it's it, depending on whatever the purpose of the books may be. Uh, it's, it's challenging because there's millions and millions of books to create something new. Is yeah. A challenge. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Cole Vandy Wustein. Thank you for being on my show, dude. I enjoyed it fully. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You got it. So let's talk about best places for people to follow you. Colevandy.com. Colevandy.com. Yep. Uh, You're going to get this Writer's Fix thing going? Yep. Uh, The Writer's Fix is going to be a platform for writers, freelancers, and such to find work, get paid what they're worth, and to quit taking jobs that are paying so little, it it breaks my heart. I really want to see writers make the money because- when you're a writer, you're creative, which means you're, you have a talent that most people don't have yeah. and you should get paid what you're worth. Dude, on. it's a burgeoning uh, industry as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not going to go away. Right. It's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many template websites there are. Yeah. Those templates will get used to death. They will, they'll stay for a couple, maybe a year, six months, whatever. They'll go away. Yeah. And it's not unique. It's not, you're not doing anything great yeah. or insane with it. So yeah, writers will always need, uh, have be a need in the marketplace. Doesn't matter what industry it is. Every industry needs a writer. Um, books need to be written. Uh, programs need to be written. Scripts need to people be need to be educated. People need to be educated. Uh, it, it's always going to be a need. I agree with you totally. And, and I probably in the history of copywriting, 
it has never been a greater time to be a copywriter though. As long, but you also be a salesperson in, in, as a copywriter as well, yes. because you have to sell, you have to look at the, you have to be a research guy or gal that says, dude, I went to your site. It kind of sucks. Right. Here are some recommendations that I would do. And I'm the guy that you or gal that you should hire. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I have a little over half a decade in sales experience commission only. So I'm, I come from the sales side, moved into uh, the yeah. persuasive writing side. So. Uh, I believe salespeople turned copywriters are probably the strongest, yeah. most persuasive copywriters. I agree with you completely. Yeah. All right, big guy. Thank you, Cole, for being on the show. I enjoyed it fully. Thank you so much. You got it. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money. <laughs>